0: Well, we are finishing up a series today called Believer to Disciple. I want to welcome everybody watching online. Uh, Next week, we start Bible Stories, Fact or Fiction. Everybody loves that series? Yeah. All 10 of you have seen it, heard it before. Uh, But this is a series we do on Genesis, Creation, the Flood. Talk about the the scientific evidences of it, and then um, the last week, which is uh, let's put that slide up there. Eric, uh, Eric Hoven, Eric Hovind with Creation Today, will be with us. Uh, for we're calling it Bible Stories Factor Fiction Weekend. It's a Friday night, uh, nine to, or seven to nine, and a Saturday morning from nine to eleven. And uh, he's going to be. He's got one of the one of the ones is five questions that will blow an atheist's mind, he's going to be, it's for kids, it's the whole family, he says he's going to be doing all kinds of uh, science experiments, he said one thing, he says I'm going to light a kid on fire, I have no clue what that is, he says it's perfectly safe, uh, but uh, he's trying to teach our kids that, that the Bible is actually the foundation for science and that science and uh, the Bible are not opposed to one another, and so I think it's going to be a great, uh, great series, so next week you'll be able to sign up for that uh, free event, well, we're talking about discipleship, talking about growing in our faith. I've got a little bit of time left. I'll be quick. And um, hopefully Sunday school been going well. Uh, I know some were out today. But hey, if you missed Sunday school the first six weeks, you can sign up for the next. So we start in three weeks um, with our next series. It's the same classes. So if you, if you took one, you can take another one. Uh, but uh, you can sign them in. The Holy Spirit class, I walked in that one today, and that was really powerful. And then I walked in and was over, over, uh, overheard uh, Lucy's class, and I was like, Lucy, you were, wherever you're at, you were preaching. It was good. Good word. I was enjoying it. Um, so um, it's good stuff happening across the campus. Um, so this series is about maturity. And uh, do you know what a mature disciple looks like? How, how if we don't have a goal in mind? How are we ever going to know what we're going to hit? Right? What's a mature disciple look like? So we we never arrive, but we should desire to grow. And I've been talking about these for ten uh, for these ten things for several weeks. Let's let's take a look at them. This is what qualities, characteristics. Number one, and you just keep hitting it. Yeah, passionately committed to Christ. Uh, two, e- extraordinary love. We're going to be known for our love. We're going to be known for our love. Number three, a servant's heart. We should be serving our brothers and sisters in Christ. That should be a normal part of our our, uh, life as a disciple in Christ. Number four, submitted and led by the Holy Spirit. We should be hearing His voice and being obedient to His voice. Number five, governed by the authority of God's Word. We have a biblical background, biblical, biblical worldview and understanding, and we filter everything we do through God's Word. You can't do that if you don't know it. Number six lives whole. You're going to get free from 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 things that, that bring you down. There, there's uh, healing from past hurts. Um, really learning to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. Number seven, evangelistically bold. I've said before. This is the one I'm praying that's working working on for me personally to be more open with my faith. I hope. Can we all say that's something we can all grow in? Yeah. Okay. All two of you. Praise God. And uh, I'm. I'm trying to get you guys going. It just feels like one of those lull mornings this morning. I don't know what it is. Everybody's tired of the heat and they're getting ready for next week. It's supposed to be in the low 50s next week. I mean, I, I'm, I mean not for the highs, but in the lows. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't wait. Uh, where were we at? Number eight, event, engaged in biblical community. There are things you just can't work out on your own. You just can't work out on your own. You need other people. And number nine, generous. Generous with your time. Generous with your talents, the things God's given you. Generous with your treasure, your money. And then number 10, you live on mission. Your life has focus to it. You, you, you're just focused on the kingdom of God and what Jesus has for you. So our theme verses on this are Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let me just stop there for a second because I was thinking as I was going over this last night. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Do you understand this is a commandment from God? If you have given your life to Christ and you have never been baptized, that is your next step. There's something about it. I can't. But you're, first of all, it's just being obedient to what he said. But there's something about when you when you go through the baptism waters that I think are really important. But then it says, "Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I gave you, have given you." So we need to be taught, and we need to be taught how to obey them. And there's there's a lot of things with that. The, the classes are teaching you, but then I think one-on-one discipleship and mentorship is really helping people learn how to obey like okay i hear this but how does this apply to my life and so that's why every single one of us comes in comes it becomes important in the body of christ to be helping one another grow in their faith and how do we come to maturity one of the ways god says is this his church his church pastors teachers prophets evangelists apostles believers doing life together studying God's word together praying together serving one another and we see this is in Ephesians 4 let's read that real quick now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the apostles the prophets the evangelists and the pastors and teachers their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church the body of Christ this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Everybody say mature. Mature. Measuring to the full and complete standard of Christ, then we will no longer be, everybody say immature. Immature. Like children, we won't be tossed and blown by about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. The truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does. It's own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I mean, there's so much in the Scripture, you know, about the different pieces in the body of Christ. Uh, But what's important is discipleship matters. Why? Because we don't want to be immature in our faith. We don't want to be tossed and blown and deceived by everything we hear. I love that line. I love the way New Li- the New Living says uh, things that sound good but are actually not a part of the truth. And we've talked about that a lot in here. There's a lot of stuff out there that sounds good, but when you really get to it, it is not of the Lord. And so we've got to be on our guard. And so I asked this question last week. I think I asked my, in my email Let me ask it to you again. What are you, think about, what are you actively doing right now to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ so that you are more mature next year than you are this year? What are you actively doing? Think about that. Think about it for a second. I'll let you take a second and take inventory. You're going to church, so that's a good thing. Sunday school, yeah, a lot of good stuff. So today we're finishing this parable uh, of the sower and the seed, and it feels like this has been uh, how long we've we been going on this. It just keeps uh, we, we've had start and, and stops, but this parable is about salvation, but it's also about discipleship. And uh, remember, we want childlike faith. We don't want childish faith. You know we we want to mature and grow in God. And the parable gives us some keys, so let's read this parable together, which we've read every week. Listen, behold a sower, this is out of Mark, the sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed, I'm sorry, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, it was scorched, since it had no root, it withered away, other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has hears, let him hear. The disciples came back later and says, help us understand what's going on. But what, what are you saying here? Says, so he says, the sower sows the word. These are the ones... Along the path where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And other ones are the ones sown among thorns, they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. All right, so let's, let's recap this for a second. Let's put up that little graphic there of the four soils. <clears throat> All right, so the seed is God's word or the gospel. The sower is, can represent Jesus or the one who's going out to sow the gospel. And the four soils are the different human hearts, all right? And the seed doesn't change, the gospel doesn't change, but how people receive it is all dependent upon the soil of their own heart. So the first soil is on the path, and these are those who hear but pay no attention Uh, to what the word says the devil takes away whatever they have steals that away jesus is clear these people do not come to saving knowledge in jesus the second soil is on the rocky soil they these are the ones who hear but the seed takes no root and and i really believe this is pointing to those who have confessed jesus with their mouth but they they get really excited they do things but they don't really surrender their heart the bible says you got to confess and believe in your heart there's a lot of times we confess, we can do all the right stuff, but until we totally surrender your heart... I, can't, I mean, there's probably tons of people in here that say, yeah, as a little kid, I, I confess, but there was a point that I remember where I really said, I'm all in. And when you said, I'm all in, something changed. Well, that was spiritual birth. <laughs> that was spiritual birth. And so um, this, is, this one's really scary to me because the Bible's clear. It says, at the end of the age... There's going to be many saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all this stuff? Didn't, didn't we do all this stuff in your name? He's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And that's one we really need to be um, it's sobering. So the third soil we're finishing today. And I'll just recap. It says, and others are the ones sown among the thorns. They hear the word. But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now, I think this is really about Christians, Christians who are going to heaven, but they do not produce any fruit here on the earth. And a few weeks ago, we talked about why producing fruit matters, because one day we're going to be judged upon it. Not whether we're going to heaven or hell, but we're going to be judged on what we did with what God what. We're going to be held accountable for the fruit we produce. And so let me remind you what fruit is, right? Number one, it's our character, how we treat people, how we love people, how we live our lives, our integrity, our holiness, and it's also our good works. Uh, this is about God's giving you things. All of us, you all have things, gifts, talents, finances, all this kind of stuff. God has given this as an investment to you, and he's asking you, what are you going to do with it? I'm expecting a return on my investment. That's a sobering word right there too. And it's clear that on the judgment seat of Christ, this is way after we've already been judged on whether we're going to heaven or hell. That was decided long before that based upon faith in Jesus Christ. We're not talking about that, but at the judgment seat of Christ, we'll receive a reward based upon what we did with what God did gave us, we will receive a reward based upon the fruit that we produced. And so Jesus is telling us about people who confess Jesus with their mouth. They love Jesus. The, 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 the root takes hold, but they've got one foot straddled in the world and one foot straddled in the kingdom of God, and they produce no fruit. And the Bible is clear that if at the end of the age that some of these things, these works that we have will be burned up. And uh, like I said, these are all, I know, very sobering things. But, but Jesus told us there's three things that are going to trip you up. There are three things that are going to keep you from your full destiny and potential in producing fruit. And we've already covered, covered one of them. So the first is the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. <clears throat> we talked about the cares of the world. John 1 says that's that craving for physical pleasure. I've got to crave what I want. Everything I want, i am just. I got to have more. That's, that's the flesh. The craving for everything we see. Nothing's in, uh, good enough. I've got to have more, got to have more, got to have more. And the pride in our achievements and our possessions. And so we're going to get to the last two this week. And I believe they go hand in hand. The deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. So we're going to look at these. Um, I just want to say this is kind of interesting. I, I read this commentary. These three things, Christ is getting out something really important. He says it's easy to pack life with such a m- multiplicity of interests that there's no time left for Christ. As the more complicated life becomes, the more necessity there is to see that our priorities are right. For there are many things, which or, for there are so many things which to seek to push Christ onto the sidelines and that's what Jesus is talking about so the deceitfulness of riches and the other things go hand in hand what I'm going to start with the other things because it really speaks to the deceitfulness of riches it seems like a really general thing what he's saying but you know how do we define something if we don't understand something in the word of God we go to the word of God the word of God defines the word of God amen Okay, so we're going to read, because Jesus tells us what the other things are in another passage. Let's read it. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be a slave to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Listen to this. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear... Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No. (laughs) And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing Yet Solomon in all his glory glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these. Everybody say it. Things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These, everybody say it. Things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly father already knows all your needs seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries today's trouble is enough for today (laughs) amen to that so these other things are the worries of life worries about food, the worries about clothing, the worries about the future. And Jesus says this stuff actually dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. We're supposed to put our trust in God for every single thing. And he's saying these things dominate the thoughts, means they think about them all the time. Because they think about them all of the time, what do you think the solution is to not worry about them? Money. The deceitfulness of riches. They think about them all the time. They want security in their life. And so the way to do that is to go to riches and say, if I can just get enough money, I will never have to worry about these things anymore. Money can bring security. We think money can bring a source of happiness and fulfillment. We think all these things. But the crossroads for all of us is who do you trust to take care of you? Who do you trust to take care of you? Your money or God? And the deceitfulness is that money can take care of you better than God can. Who? It becomes an idol. The truth is it can be gone in a minute. But Jesus is eternal. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And he's with us till the end, he says. So you think if I have these things, this money, I don't have to worry about these things. I don't clothes, food, future. But if you think about it, the more money you have, the more you think about these things. (laughs) The more money I have, the more concern I have about my shoes I wear. The more money I have, I start thinking about the clothes I wear because I have tons of options now. And it actually consumes my mind a lot of times. Well, I could buy this and I could buy this and I can buy this. If you don't have any money, you're not thinking about any of those things, are you? (laughs) The more money... And the more money I have, the more time and energy I put into food and luxury. And really, this is also about speaking how to satisfy myself. So the more money I have, the more time I actually spend thinking about how to satisfy the needs of my flesh. Because before, I didn't have the money. I can't do that, oh well. But now, i the more money I have, the more time and energy I put into thinking about the future. What am I going to do tomorrow? How am I going to spend the money? How am I going to keep the money? How am I going to keep this lifestyle that I have? What am I... You get what I'm saying? And Jesus is saying, God is your source. He is the one who takes care of all these things. Stop worrying about it. Stop obsessing about it. Start thinking about eternal things, eternal treasure. Seek first the kingdom of God Get on mission. Get on your mission. So let me pause here for a second and say, Jesus is not saying wealth is wrong. And I'm not saying wealth is wrong. I mean, not at all. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> but it's the deceitfulness of wealth. It's the love of money. It's not, money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. You can be wealthy you and love God with all your heart, but be careful, it's a trap. It's a, it's a trap. But Jesus' body was buried in a tomb by a wealthy man. And Jesus' ministry was taken care of by a lot of wealthy people, specifically wealthy women. Wealthy people, that is a great thing for the kingdom of God. God's going to use it, but just be careful. Be careful. But I want to address another thing, because some of you are saying, well, I'm poor. Have you just looked at my paycheck lately, Jeff? <laughs> that doesn't fit me. Uh, I'm not poor, so this, this doesn't apply to me. Let me, let, me talk, let me give you a couple stats that are kind of interesting that blew my mind. I don't know if you've noticed, America is actually pretty well off. Um, we're, we're pretty rich by world standards. In fact, listen to this. A typical American earns an income that is 10 times more than the income of the average person in the rest of the world. If you take an average income fa- per family in America, which they think is about 63,000, you are in the top 1% of the richest people in the entire world. Aren't you feeling good? You're a one-percenter, man. <laughs> I'm feeling good this morning, man. I'm a one-percenter. In fact, it was actually less than that. It was like 0.17% of 1% uh, you are in the top if you make $63,000 a year as a family. The bottom 10% of Americans making $14,000 or less a year is seven times more than the average of, the, of an average person globally. And if you took the bottom 20% of all Americans, in, bottom 20% of earners in, in, in America and you were to make all those people a country, they would be one of the richest countries in the entire world. Man. 35% of Mexico's population lives on $5.50 or less a day. Only 2% of Americans live that way. Almost half of the world, which is about 3.5 billion people, live on less than $5.50 a day. Man, no wonder everybody wants to come to the U.S. Don't listen to the media, guys. (laughs) Telling America, oh, it's a horrible place. They're coming here because it's the richest nation in the world. But you know what else I found is interesting? According to the stats, we are the most generous nation by far in the entire world. By far. And what was another interesting stat is they found out that... uh, the wealthier the nation, the less religious the nation, with the exception of America. America is the only exception. Things like wa- running water, toilet, car, phone, TV, those are reserved for the one percenters. That's us. So let me just say this real quick you're rich. We have to understand that we have a lot more than we think we do, and we have to understand the world keeps telling us we need a lot more than we think we do. So, Jeff, are you telling me I need to take a vow of poverty today? (laughs) Is it that serious? No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying Jesus is saying, be careful, this stuff is deceptive. It trips you up, and it can take you away from your mission in life to produce fruit from the kingdom of God. Now, I had a really cool encounter this week. Um, we were getting our piano at our church, I mean at our, at our house, sorry. It's an old, how old is it? How old is Uncle Frank's, right? Yeah. hundred years old. And uh, Liam, I shouldn't say, I won't, I won't call him out. Never mind, I won't say what he, what he did. I just embarrassed him I just I didn't know he was in here this was a couple years ago there was a few things that we needed to fix let's just say that I'll stop there I'm sorry buddy I owe you five bucks Um, and so uh, anyway he came to fix the piano and and do some recon you know reconstruct all that stuff and tune it and all this kind of stuff and so he he was he picked it up for a week or so and then he dropped it off, and um, he's a he's a, about seventy years old. He said he's an, from Austria, and uh, he's he's a believer. He went to Christ for the nations. He's a talker. He's got a lot of great wisdom, but he said some really cool things. But I I want to show you this quick video of him. Uh, let's see if we can watch that. conversation. He didn't know what I was talking about today, but he just started probably the Holy Spirit. He looked at me and says, you know, Jeff, my son works for a big investment firm. He makes $8 million a year. And he says, uh, my son doesn't have time for God. He didn't have time for his family. He doesn't have time for his kids. All he's got time to do is to work, work, work to sustain this life. That he's created. It's a noose around him. It's a. It's got a hold of him. Hook. And he was he was telling me he says Jeff, if I gave you eight million dollars today, what would you do? I said, well, of course I would tithe to the church. I mean, we would take care of that, you know. And I was like, that'd be a great tithe, church. We could build a building for that, you know. And i uh, messing with you. Well, I would tithe, but he says, what would you do with eight million? And he looked at me and he says this. He said, you would look around at your life and you would start to see all the things that are not good enough. He said, you would look at your house and say, it's not big enough. You'd look at your wife and say, she's not pretty enough. Of course, that would never happen. <laughs> but we all know people, Right. You'd look at your car and say, it's not fast enough, it's not nice enough, and you would look at this church and you would say, oh man, this is getting in the way of my happiness because I've got all this money, I don't need that. I can go do what I want to do. And he said, no, that's not for me. I'm thankful I get to work. He says, I'm thankful I have to work hard to survive because it keeps me humble. It keeps me close to God. It keeps me asking for his help. It's what drives me to say, God, you are my supply. And that was the, that was the tweak I needed personally to hear that. Because sometimes you just get, we all get our, our mind, we just start thinking, if I just had this, I'd be happy. If I just had this, you know, I really would like this. And it was like, I just don't need that stuff. What, where, where's this coming from? So, you have to recognize the heart is deceitful, Jeremiah says. We have to remember that the cares of this world, the desires for money to meet every need, and the cares about the future and meeting all the earthly needs, they still are purpose when we are consumed with them. And as a disciple of Jesus, we have a single focus. We should have a single focus seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is our single focus. I'm grateful that that you might be saying, I'm grateful that God has provided you with money. That's awesome. But my single focus has to be on that day, that judgment day, that I'm going to hear the words of my Savior ringing in my ear saying, well, good, faithful, well, good, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. I set you over much. That's our focus And Jesus is really just saying, look, be careful. This stuff is a trap. There's nothing wrong with money, but it's a trap that it's going to keep you from your destiny of being fruitful. So that one day you can say, well, I did all this stuff. And he's saying, yeah, 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 but you didn't produce any fruit. That stuff got you all worked up and way out. You were focusing on things you should have never focused on when you should have been focusing on the kingdom of God. And it changes your whole perspective when you think about it. You think every dollar that I've been given is from the Lord and it's for God's kingdom to somehow meet, first of all, meet my needs, but then I use it to meet other needs in the kingdom of God. So I want to read this a couple of these verses here in First Timothy, and we're, we're getting close to the end here. First Timothy 6 says, Yes, true godliness with contentment is, its great, is itself great wealth. After all, we bought nothing. Sorry, I can't read this morning. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can take we can't take anything with us when we leave. So, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth, true faith, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And then he goes on to say, teach those who are rich in this world, that's all of us, not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Anybody got any money in the stock market this week? (laughs) It's unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Now, do you see that? He does give us things for our enjoyment. It's not to just say everything's to be given away. He gives us these things for our enjoyment. Go, go, Go back to that. Yeah. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. And generous to those in need, always being ready to share it with others. By doing this, they will be storing up, ooh, look at this, storing up their treasure in heaven, he's talking about, as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. What a great scripture! What a great scripture. So what do we do to us rich people? How do we protect our hearts from the deceitfulness of riches? Well, Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. The Jews actually taught that the more money you have, the more blessing you have on your life from God. The more favor you have. Even salvation can come because you have so much money. That was taught. And Jesus was saying, look, look, (laughs) look. He was using hyperbole. He was using exaggeration to say, this. what I'm about to say is it's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's impossible. And it's impossible to walk with God if you don't recognize you have no need for him. Matthew 5, 3 says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need. Listen to this. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So you have to come to the place. What do we do? You say, my money means nothing in heaven. I want to store up treasures in heaven. It earns me nothing. Everything I have is from God. I humble myself and I make myself poor in spirit before God who will one day judge me for everything I've been given. That's how we approach it. So it starts with a poor in spirit mindset. Without you, Jesus, I've got nothing. Everything I have is given from you. I'm going to call the worship team up as we close here. Second, how do we break the stronghold that money has over us? We become extremely generous. We tithe, we give offerings, we give to the needy, we give to missionaries. We choose to open our hand And release freely and say, Lord, it's not mine anyway. It's all yours. So you direct me. You tell me what to do with it. Thirdly, we bring God into every financial decision of our lives. Maybe not, Lord, should I buy this um, number three at McDonald's? Maybe that's not important right there. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. You might be, Lord, saying, I don't want you to eat that kind of food. It's bad for you. (laughs) But we bring him into every decision. Lord, do I need this? Lord, am I caring too much about these things? Is this becoming a priority in my life that's pushing you out, Lord? Am I thinking too much about the externals of life? Lord, am I taking time for people am I taking time for the things that matter in this life or am I so focused on what I have and keeping what I have help me Lord we have to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance do I need this like I said a few weeks does does this company really need to grow this big is this is this what I'm supposed to do Am I taking care of people? Am I loving people? Am I putting their needs above my own? You know, these are hard things. You know, Jesus, when he said all these things, he says in Matthew, he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny, myself, take up his, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would, e- would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? You know, people, when they heard this, they said, this is too hard. This is too hard, Jesus. You're asking too much, and it's no different today. The same, he's asking the same thing from us, and most people say, it's just too hard. It's just too hard. Let me just, let me just check off the boxes, my religious thing. And Jesus is saying, if you really, really... You really want to go on an adventure with me? You really want to find the true life and produce amazing fruit? You know what it is? It's going to require everything from you, everything. All these things trip us up, the cares of this world that physical pleasure that craving for what we see the pride and how amazing we are when jesus became a servant the deceitfulness of riches the desire for other things i i just need all these other things i can do this on my own god i don't don't need you god i've got this all those things trip us up and they keep us from our destiny of producing fruit the character and the good works of god in our lives So what do we do? Well, it all comes back down to this word we've been talking about, discipleship. Discipleship is the process that we go through of actually God pruning the stuff out of our lives that are not good until we shine like gold. (laughs) He's just pruning and pruning and, and so many people just don't want to go through the pruning process because it hurts. But man, let me tell you, when you go through the pruning process and he's cutting off this and he's cutting off that, you oh, I feel so good. Your life is transparent before the Lord. You're walking in the will of God. You're doing exactly what you were called and designed to do. It. And it's the most freeing and beautiful thing you could ever imagine. God, I'm doing what I was designed to do, but it came with a cost. I had to lay it all down. I was thinking, a kid doesn't know that eating candy all day long (laughs) is bad for him. He's going to end up throwing it up until he throws it up and he has a nasty stomach. Mature adults can look at things and say, hey, I'm not going to eat that candy because if I keep eating that candy, it's going to be really, really bad for me and I don't want what it's going to do and I'm going to be in the bathroom all day long. That's maturity. Maturity in Christ says, I don't need this thing. I don't need this because I know what it's going to do to me. I've got one thing. My eyes are set on one thing. The kingdom of God. What is your plan? What is your will? Lord, everything else. And that's the beauty thing, beautiful whole, whole thing of this. Because he says, when you seek first the kingdom of God, what does he say? All these things will be added unto you. So the final soil is this: the final soil is those who hear the word, accept it, obey it, and they produce a harvest. That's what we want. Let's stand up as we finish here and close. Let's just bow our, eye, our bow our eyes, bow our heads, and close our eyes for a second. So the answer to all this is not, I just gotta do a little bit better. The answer to this is, well, I just I've probably got a few things I need to work on. No, that's not the answer to this. The answer is we turn to Jesus and we say, I'm broken. I'm messed up. Even on my best day, God, I'm a mess. I can't fix my heart, I can't fix myself. Everything I have has been given to me already. anyway. So, Lord, I just surrender it. I lay it all down. I lay my life down. It's all yours, every part. I make a decision to grow. I make a decision to step into maturity. I lay down my life, Jesus, so that you can mature in me. Whatever it takes, I want to be a true disciple in you, Jesus. I want to produce good fruit. A true disciple says, I don't want this hurt anymore. I'm tired of holding on to this unforgiveness. I'm tired of holding on to this resentment. I want to produce fruit. A true disciple says, I don't want to be angry anymore. I'm sick of this anger thing. A true disciple says, I don't want this addiction anymore. It's robbing me of my destiny. A true disciple says, I want to get whole and healed so I can help others get whole and healed. So there's not a big altar call here, but it's just a moment. And I'm going to have the team, can the rest of the team come on up here? We're going to, I want us to sing that you're worthy of all, wherever you're at. So I just want us to do just a little bit of heart inventory. Eyes closed for just a moment and say, Lord, is there anything in me? Is there anything that's getting in the way of seeking you and being about the kingdom of God? If there's anything that's becoming too important, bring it to my attention right now. And right now, the Holy Spirit just brought it to your attention. You know what it is. Lord, and now I want you to just say, Lord, I lay that down. I lay that down. I lay it down before you, Jesus. Whatever it is. And then I just want you to make a commitment, Lord. I want to grow. I want to grow in you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, praise God this has been a really fun series I know it's been a hard series but the Lord's working on hearts right now and he's speaking to us and saying it's time to go deeper it's time to be all about the call because we were made for adventure we were made for journey we were made to go fully on for God so all this whole series was just to say Lord I'm all in can we just say that right now Lord I'm all in everybody in this room Lord I'm all in One more time, Lord, I am all in. One more time, God, Lord, I am all in. Whatever you want to do, Lord, in my life, I surrender and I say, Lord, use me. In Jesus' name, amen.